Are you giving me a countdown? Stand by. Good evening. This is the final heart of the matter to uh, ever happen uh, on this station or anywhere else. Over the years, I've wondered, um, as we've gone in the ministry, if I was really doing the right thing. Uh, our daughters have lost friends. My parents and my brothers and sisters have pulled away from us. About a month ago, we had a caller named John who called and said, come back. He pleaded, come back. Come back to the LDS Church, John. Repent, it's not too late. Last Wednesday, I had a call from my wife's state president who through tears also asked me if I would please come back. We've suffered, we've been ostracized. We've, I've just spent far too much time away from home. So I want to announce tonight that I'm going to be rebaptized. Don't do it! You might no, don't. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. Get him out of here. Liar, Sean. So I'm going to rejoin the LDS Church through baptism. I'm sorry if this has offended you or if I've hurt your feelings, but it's the right choice. It's going to please my parents. It's going to please my brothers and sisters. It's going to make our family happier. But to take this step, there's a few things that I must do that you have to be aware of. First, I have to agree that the Bible is not sufficient guide. And I have to step away and say that the Book of Mormon needs to be in my life. The Doctrine and Covenants needs to be in my life. The Pearl of Great Price needs to be accepted by me as Scripture from God and fulfilling all the things that the Bible is missing. I must earn my exaltation over the course of my years. I must pay back the crimes I've done as I've done this show. I must be baptized by an LDS person to live with God again. I must accept the LDS priesthood and become worthy to enter into their sacred temple and receive the LDS rites and ordinances in order to live with God. Most importantly, I have to admit by going back, as John has suggested, and so many others, I must admit that Jesus is not enough for me. That Joseph, I have to believe in Joseph. I have to profess a faith and a belief in his message that he came after Jesus' message was lost and he restored all these things back to the earth. I must accept Joseph. Did you know I had to agree to all those things in order to come back, as John said? Did you also know that it's April 1st, and I would be a big fool, the biggest fool, to ever turn from the things I know to be true and be LDS, live from the Mecca of Mormonism? This is heart of the matter. Did some stones, saw the skin and bones of a city without a soul. I stopped outside a church house where the citizens like to sit. They say they want the kingdom, but they don't want God in it. 
What a show. What do you think? April Fools. Amen. Hey, listen, if you have friends who want to watch Heart of the Matter and can't get it on their television set, tell them to go to www.bornagainmormon.com and they can um, watch it live streaming video from any place in the world. Um, also in the house tonight, we have Jed, Nathan, Catherine, Margaret, Peter, Brianna, Michelle, Jed and Nathan, Jared, Mary Ellen, Derek, Bridget, Rich, Glenn, Jed and Nathan, Dan, JJ, Richard, Nancy, Dave, and Robert. So it is a fantastic audience. I think they play uh, Nintendo better than any other audience we've ever had. So it's good to have them here tonight. Listen, I want to apologize if I upset any of you out there, but it is April Fool's. We're going to have one opportunity to do that in the seven years of doing the show, and this was it. Uh, some announcements. First of all, rain down a time of prayer and repentance. It's a statewide prayer deal. It's going to go on on 4-26-08, and it's going to happen from 4 to 7 p.m., 4 to 6 is a simulcast from Washington, D.C., Worship with Michael W. Smith. And what it is, it's going to be the entire nation praying together at the same time for uh, our country. And, then, and, and this is for all people of faith, all denominations praying to Almighty God for our country. Then there's going to be a statewide prayer event held at the Cottonwood High School and Auditorium. You can check out rain down i think that it's www.raindownusa.com for more information another big poster i said i'd announce it and it's taped to the desk uh this one is aletheia truth is having a bible conference become rooted and raised in biblical truth it's going to be a friday evening april 11th and saturday april 12th there's a cost to it it's going to be at the e-center e you can email information at info at aletheatruth.com. And that's down at the bottom of your screen. So that's something you might be interested in. A support group for people in religious transition is coming up. And, uh, oh boy, I said I'd announce this and now I don't. Oh, you can email, I think it is Gary Brown 6 GaryBrown6 at gmail.com. A lot of local announcements tonight just because of the way we started off the show. Last week we had someone call and ask us about where to go to church in Roy. We couldn't really, I couldn't bring up the name of the church even though I knew Ross Anderson. And what it is, it's Wasatch Evangelical Free Church, 4433 South, 3100 West in Roy, Utah. And the pastor again is Ross Anderson. Um, there is a movie that has been recommended by people that uh, you should see. It's called Happy Valley. I believe it's rated PG. I don't think it has too much, but it is a documentary about uh, drug use in Happy Valley, Utah. And I guess that it does talk about how there are many uh, kids who get hooked on drugs, some of them being LDS. And the LDS kids, it's talking about pharmaceuticals, and they say they're not in... Um, they're not having difficulty with the word of wisdom because the word of wisdom doesn't talk about pharmaceutical drugs. It just talks about alcohol, beer, coffee, and uh, tobacco. So it's an interesting movie. You ought to go see that. When you make one rule that you can or can't do, it suddenly opens it up to all types of getting around those rules. With that, let's begin with a word of prayer. 
Dear Lord, we love you and we thank you for this airtime. We thank you for what you're doing in people's lives. Lord, we care that people know you and have a relationship with you. And we pray that uh, you will open eyes and ears and hearts, that the message of your son will come loud and clear, and we'll be able to uh, help facilitate that in this state. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Years ago, Hollywood scriptwriters approached their craft using a simple paradigm or model that was fairly well understood. Films were broken down into three acts. The same formula, though now it, it's much more complex and it's much more rearranged, but the same model primarily still exists. I'm going to describe to you what this paradigm looks like, and I'm going to go to our, our board, all right? Okay, so we have, we have Act 1, Act 3, Act 2, and Act 1. Okay? This is the paradigm for a Hollywood script. Okay? And now, Act 1 they call the setup act. Okay? Act 2 they call the conflict act. And Act 3 they call the resolution act. Now, I hate to bring Hollywood into the uh, show, but let me explain this, and I'm going to use a, a popular uh, show that you might recognize, Rocky. Most people have seen Rocky, uh, most uh, older people. And so what we have is Rocky Balboa in the setup act, and he's down and out, and he's poor, and he's breaking people's thumbs because they're not paying their bills for gambling and stuff. And he, he lives in an old apartment with his two turtles, Cuff and Link, and he's... Uh, He's been out of boxing, but he's kind of a good southpaw boxer, and he has a girl he likes named Adrian who works in the pet store, and he goes in to see her, and he mumbles around, and she's got a brother, and this is all the setup of the movie Rocky, okay? So once you get all that in place, then you can slide over into the conflict out. Now, there's this guy named Apollo Creed, and he wants to go, and he wants to fight somebody who will represent the American dream. And so Rocky Balboa, that's a name he likes, and yeah, but he's a southpaw, well, let's bring him in, he's a nothing. It's going to be an exhibition to show Apollo Creed how, what a great fighter he is, but, but Rocky doesn't know that. And so they tell Rocky, hey, do you want to fight? And that puts Rocky into the conflict, and that whole next second act is all about him overcoming and learning to be a boxer that's going to fight Apollo Creed. Okay, and then you go to the third act, and that is the resolution act. That's ding, 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 it's time for the fight. And Rocky goes in and he has the big battle with Apollo Creed. And I won't tell you how it ends in case you haven't seen it. Okay, so I think I'm going to use this paradigm over the next several weeks. And I think it will be beneficial to non-LDS people primarily to help them understand Mormon doctrine and how it lays out. So what we have here is a script and we're going to call this Twistianity. It's going to be a great film. Okay? We have Twistianity. And what it is, is the setup of Twistianity in Mormonism is primarily everything that existed in the pre mortal existence. Now, how do LDS know what happened in the pre mortal existence? Joseph Smith told them. 
He told them through revelation. He told them through the pearl of great price. He explained to them everything that was happening at this time before anybody was ever on this earth, before this earth ever existed. Now, Christians believe from the Bible in a preexistence, but they believe only that Jesus was a preexistent one. Jesus said to the Pharisees, I am from above, you are from beneath. You know, and he let them know, hey, I came from a place from above. You come from down here, the clay of the earth. But Latter-day Saints believe because of Joseph that we all lived in this preexistence before, and we've talked about that. So everything that has to do with the preexistence is the setup of the Mormon uh, movie called Twistianity. We have an eternal regression of gods. Okay, and I've covered this recently, and I'm just going to set it up for you. We have Jesus who was created. Just like you and I, just like Satan, who was his elder brother and our brother. Satan was, Je not Jesus' elder brother, Satan was Jesus' brother. Okay, so we have this going on in the preexistence, all right? We have uh, a renunciation of the Trinity. Remember, all of these things in the setup are going to set up for everything else we discuss in the Conflict Act and in the Resolution, all right? And we have the fall, which now we've stepped down to Earth. We have the fall being good, all right? Adam and Elf, Adam fell that men might be, and men are that they might have joy. That's the LDS teaching from the Book of Mormon, okay? And then we have all children who come to this Earth are good and innocent. Meaning there is no original sin. There is no sin uh, nature that is passed down. There uh, is a propensity, but it can be trained. And they are all children of Heavenly Father. With these things in the setup, we can now switch over and we can begin to understand the conflict. Now, under here, we're going to learn LDS doctrines of salvation. Now this is a huge topic, salvation, okay? And this is, this is going to take us a few weeks to get through, and we're going to talk about what salvation means to them versus what it means to a Christian, what grace means versus what it means to a Christian, and we're going to go through the whole thing about salvation, and you're going to be able to see that the doctrines of salvation all relate back to the setup act of Christianity. And then we can go on, we're going to read, we're going to learn about Jesus' ministry, on earth, more conflict. We're gonna learn about apostasy. The LDS claim, that's an S, that the church Jesus established fell into worldwide total apostasy. The authority to act in God's name was lost completely from this earth. This is great conflict, all right? We're gonna talk about the dark ages and how the LDS believe that everything Jesus set up was gone. And then we're gonna talk about the restoration. This is where the LDS say Joseph Smith, a 14 year old boy goes to a garden, uh, actually a grove, and he kneels down to pray and God the Father appears to him with his son, a separate beings, physical bodies, and they talk to him. All of it will go back to the setup. After we hit the restoration, probably in about four or five weeks after we get through this, we're going to go to the Resolution Act. And what is the resolution of all this? Mormonism. 
and it's Mormonism today and everything that it says needs to happen to resolve the conflict that was created through all this and it all sets back up to the setup of uh, the whole thing called Twistianity. That is, I just wanted to use this time, it's April Fool's, we started with a little joke, it's kind of a casual show, but I wanted to set that up and let's open up the phone lines now, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. We can take that board away if you guys want. While we're waiting for the operators to get through the calls, let me cover a few emails. From Emily, <clears throat> she asks, if, Emily D, if Jesus is all that matters and we believe in Jesus, talking about Mormons, why does it matter? Good question. Why it matters is actually a long answer, but it is, bottom line, a different Jesus. The Jesus of the Bible that Christians read about and understand and the gospel that he brought forth represents a certain thing. The Jesus that Mormonism understands represents an entirely different package. It would be like, the, just to give you a bad example, the Jesus that the Christians understand would be a, an apple. The Jesus that the Mormons understand would not just be the apple, it would be a whole fruit basket, or it would be an entire grocery store fruit section. And it's not just Jesus there in the fruit section that you get to eat and enjoy and he sustains you and gives you spiritual life. You got to eat the kiwi and the bananas and the pineapple and everything in there in order to get it right, you see. So the difference is not just Jesus. And, you know, I know Mormons are really pushing now to, to make sure the world knows that Jesus is so important. Their latest Ensign magazine that goes out every month to members of the church was all about Jesus. It had a vellum cover on it with Jesus behind it. It was a beautiful magazine. And the whole thing was dedicated to Jesus. They've built websites now within the past year all about Jesus, just Jesus. This was un unheard of before. They never did this. They want you to know that they believe in Jesus, but I want you to know they believe in a Jesus, a Jesus. And I've said this before. It's like saying the girl right there or saying my girl right there, okay? There's a difference between someone looking and saying, oh, the girl, and saying, oh, my girl. You see, Christians say my savior, my Lord, my God, my sovereign king. Mormons say the savior the Christ, and they talk to him in terms of being kind of over there. And this is the personal relationship we're talking about. Okay, the monitor's not up, the mic o'clock, I mean the scroll monitor. Paul S. says, why do you use pagan music in your shows? Why not Christian music? Because I like pagan music. Okay. Franklin, <laughs> what do you want me to say? I mean, I, I thought it fit. I thought the songs kind of fit with what the show was about. I like Christian music too, so don't get all offended. Franklin J, I saw your stuff on YouTube, praise God. Were you ever LDS? You don't look like you were. <laughs> Even today? Uh, I was LDS 40 years, and, uh, and I went on a mission, and I married in the LA temple, and I served on in, uh, a bishopric and an elders quorum president, stake high council, taught early morning seminary, uh, was active, was appreciated, uh, but I was never right inside. 
I always knew I was always at odds with God and I never had peace. And that lack of peace and not knowing him, it made me search endlessly in places and many of the places I couldn't find, find him. Finally, I found him at the side of the road. I remained LDS for another four years and because I didn't know any better. And then some Christian people influenced my life to help understand what was going on. And I want to make one mention here while we're talking about it. And we have calls all lined up, but let me make this mention. The Christian people who came into my life after I came to know the Lord, while I was an active Latter-day Saint, not one of the four of them ever said, you got to leave Mormonism. None of them. They never said, why do you go to that church? Or that church is a cult or this or that. They never, ever used that. All they did was say, turn to God, trust God. Have you laid this at God's feet? They never said, come to my church or come to, they all went to different Christian churches. They never said, you got to come to this one. This is the best one. Or you've got to join this one. They all from different Christian churches told me that I needed to have a relationship with God in different ways. And that's what helped me see a good method of talking with Latter-day Saints. Okay, hope that answers your question. I've got nine more emails prepared, but we've got a lot of calls. Um, let's go to Nicole, first-time caller in West Jordan. Nicole, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi. Um, well, um, um, I need your advice on something. Okay. Um, I went to a private school since I was about four years old. Uh-huh. And um, it was called St. Sophia, and I am Greek Orthodox. Oh, okay. And, um, well, I just went to a public school. Yeah. Um, I'm in seventh grade now, and, um, well, I've made some friends, and my one friend is, like, really Mormon, like, staunch Mormon. Okay. And, um, well, she always has to, like, every time we talk and everything, she always, like, brings out conversations about, like, church or something, like, about, like, her, like, religion. And, like, so I try to, like, um, like, talk with her about it. And then, um, she, like, everything, um, that I tell her, she, like, calls my religion weird and everything. She calls your religion what? Weird. <laughs> well, Nicole... First of all, thank you for calling the show. That, that takes a lot of bravery. And second of all, are you still going to your church with your family? Yeah. Okay. And how are you doing on your prayers? Um, good. Good, good. You know, it's going to be really important as you've now stepped into this new situation that you really, I, I just want to suggest this to you, my friend. I want you to just make it a real big habit to go to your Heavenly Father, go to God, and you talk to Him, and you just pour your heart out and say, Lord, help me on how to talk to my friends. Give me strength. You know, the Lord knows you're in a tough position, and you're going to be in a place that you're going to have a lot of this happen as you grow older. But you're, you're going to be strong as you stay close to the Lord, you listen to your parents, and you keep putting Him first in your life, okay? Okay. Can is there can is there any other questions you might have? Um, no, I, think I love that's when all. kids call. I love when you guys kids call. It's just it's great. Thank you so much, and you keep in touch, okay? If okay. you if your mom and dad will let you, email us, and we can maybe give you some more suggestions. Okay, thank you. One thing I'm not I'm kind of thinking slow today. One thing you might do uh, too is um, you might say to her, let's let's not talk always about our churches, okay? 
if it starts to make it uncomfortable, maybe other people start coming and saying, yeah, you need to come to our church, and more and more, and they start to maybe gang up type thing, you might just say, you know, let's just be uh, friends, and we don't necessarily have to talk about this all the time, just for right now. Okay. Do you have any problems sharing your faith with your friends? No. Okay, well, then you can keep doing that, too, as, heavenly, as the Lord leads you. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. Thanks so much, Nicole. Thank you. God bless you. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. What a great call. I talked to, we should do a kids-only night. It would be great. Clara, first-time caller. Clara, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hello, Sean. Hello, Clara. Oh, Lord, I'm so glad that, I'm so glad you're here. But I wanted to ask you, I watch a lot of things on television, and I've been noticing that sometimes when I'm watching the LDS things, when they say their prayer, uh-huh. they say at the end, and even in Jesus' name, and I'm wondering what that means, even in Jesus' name. They, uh, it's rhetoric. It's just, it's just kind of a cultural thing that comes into their uh, vernacular. And they just, even is almost like more holy to them. E- they, you know, may the Lord bless us, even in the name of Jesus. It's just, it's just rhetoric. It doesn't mean anything like um, bad to them. It's actually more of a, a language of honor to the, to the Lord. Yeah. Well, I had that question because I thought it was so strange. It was like, who else? If it's even in his name, well, who is the other person? <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, it's just kind of, they have, uh, and I'm not mocking, but I kind of am mocking. They have a sing-song lilt that comes down, and I've talked about this before, uh, and the way they give their talks, brethren and sisters, we are gathered even today. To talk, and they have this just this approach, and we've even seen some Christian pastors and ministers who have that. It's a, and, and older people enjoy that, and so it's very professional and polished. But that's just part of their language. Well, thank you so much. I wondered what that meant. You're welcome. And and praise the Lord, and and I'm praying for you with that little John guy that's calling in. Yeah, I don't see little John, so maybe he he's rejoicing. He's probably throwing a party because he bought into the first part of the show. <laughs> Okay. All right. Thanks again. God bless. God bless you. Thanks, Claire. Bye bye. We're going to Amelia in Salt Lake City. Amelia, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, son. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Mm. I have a short statement that is preamble to a question I'd like to ask you. Okay. Okay. I'm concerned, Sean, that you treat the dialogue between evangelicalism and Mormonism as a boxing match. And I'm wondering if this doesn't violate what I see as Jesus' major message from the New Testament. It looks to me like you've lost his major New Testament message in favor of treating us to a boxing match over how many angels are dancing on the head of a pin instead of looking for points of agreement between us. Now my question is, what do you see as the major New Testament message from Jesus? I see as the major New Testament of Jesus. Message. Message. From the, Jesus. The, ma- the major New Testament message from Jesus. Yeah. What's his major instruction to us? If you don't have them, you're going to hell. That's his I major message. It was love God, and as important as that is love. Thy neighbor, three yeah. words, love yeah. thy neighbor. Yeah, and I, you, you're not going to love your neighbor without him. 
And he consistently throughout the Gospels taught, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And he kept telling his apostles to teach people, I am the way. He's the one. And so I know that love is the end result of the Christian walk. Very important. A Christian what? Walk. W-A-L-K? Yeah. The Christian walk. Love is going to be the operative mechanism that shows the world you do know him. But But knowing him is the preamble to love. Okay, to use the word. Who that are we you... instructed to love? Okay, Sean. Besides God and Jesus, who are we instructed to love? What's equally important? Uh, we have to love our neighbor. That's right. Yes, that's the message. Okay. I think you but, may. But but my friend Amelia, you have to understand. Forgive me, but what's that? Forgive me for saying. I'm wondering if we need more emphasis from you in particular. On those three words. Well, here's the problem. In this conversation, in this community, if I stress the things we have in common, the LDS sit there and say, yeah, we're Christian. Yes, we're Christian. And then what I don't do is I'm not supporting the most important message, which is you got to have Jesus or you're going to hell. Because he didn't back off on that message, Amelia, and it really isn't a pleasant one. So, If I just sit here and just try to make nice-nice with the neighbors, I find that they just call and they feel nice-nice about themselves and their religion. But it is absolutely contrary, contrary to the biblical message taken in context and as a whole. So I don't know what what the religious background is with you or whatever, but I'm just telling you, the purpose is not, it really is given out of love that I'm doing it. If you knew what we do to do it, you would, you would understand better. But, but sometimes you've got to show them the problem before they can know that you love them. Oh, I agree with that, but must we be more argumentative? I mean, are we not defeating our own purpose? Well, there are some people, and we do have the fruit from the ministry. We do get the emails, and we do get the calls. You've heard them. And people do like this, and people have come to know the Lord and left that religious paradigm that keeps them in chains. So we know we're bearing fruit. Yes, I can do better sometimes, and I have gotten better. If you look at the first shows two years ago, I was a raving maniac. I'm a newcomer. Okay, yeah, believe me, I am really calm now, and the Lord's working on me too. I'm just a man, as fallible and frail as any man. So, But he's working on me. My nature is aggressive. So it's happening over time. Do you think your, your, your nature is aggressive naturally, or do you think that um, it's learned? Oh, I learned it. I'm sure I learned it in the environment of my home, and I'm sure that it also comes to me um, uh, through genetics, but I've been an aggressive person my entire life. I think anyone who's known me can attest to it. So I it, prefer the term assertive. I really save the term aggressive for actual aggression that involves violence and moving Well, sometimes it has with me, so, so I mean... You know, we, we can have some fun, okay. you and I, sometimes. And I'll call again. And Sounds good, Amelia. The show, and I appreciate you. I don't agree with a good deal of what you say. However, I do applaud you for exposing some of the silliness of the LDS Church. But I'm wondering if being less argumentative might bear more fruit. Yeah, I don't know. Just a thought. We have a lot of groups out there who are less argumentative. It's kind of the culture of the day to be play more nice-nice with people of different faiths, and all I see is ecumenism coming out of it. I don't see many people coming out to a real saving knowledge of the Lord. 
And, you know, this is just a method. There are other methods that I know work. But for me and this show, I couldn't do it and have the, the uh, tenor that you have. I got to be honest with myself. I got to be who I am. This is how, you know, it's kind of hey, made. I just, um, I'm looking for less boxing match and less angels dancing on the heads of pins and more concentration on what I think his major message was. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Keep up your good work. Thank you. Dialogue Thank is you. healthy. Thank you. Thank you, dude. Bye-bye. Okay, we are going to Jason in Bountiful. Jason, LDS, first-time caller. Oh, hey, I'm not a first-time caller. The lady um, misquoted me. Dang it, I let you on, but you're LDS, right? Yeah, well, yeah, you know who I am. I always come on and talk to you, Sean. I'm on your side, of course. You know who I am. North Salt Lake, not Bountiful. Hey, um, a couple of days ago, I had a um, conversation with the bishop because he was asking me why I don't go to church because my mom does, right? Yeah. So I was like, all right. So I told him, I told him, you know, I don't want to go on a mission. I don't want temple blessings, you know. And I told him that I don't believe in the Adam God theory. And he, he said, oh, you got some messed up um, beliefs. Well, I don't believe that. And I'm like laughing. And I go, lying for the Lord doesn't work. You're misquoting Abraham. You know, when I was saying this calmly and everything, his face went red. He is the first bishop, because he's an old school bishop. I mean, he's old school, and he knows really, really well. He's the first one that admitted that ever to me that the Book of Mormon has changed because he's got an 1840s, an original Book of Mormon that's been in his family since 1840, and he still has it. And he, and he told me, I can show you all the changes and everything. So, yeah, well, that's awesome. It's changed. And I was like, Kaching, finally, and I got proof. And now I finally got proof. So, everybody that, hey, oh, this never changed. I'll say, come talk to this bishop over here. And I told the bishop, you know, about how the churches I've gone to through Mormonism, how everyone, every church, believes in kind of different things. Like, this church told me this, this church told me that. And if I get all the people in the room, they'd be arguing. And I said, you know, it sounds like a bunch of confusion to me. It's like one, they can't stick with it. But really quick here, another question is. I've never heard the first one. Yeah, you did. Okay, the first, okay, my question really quick after the little story that I told you. I'm sorry. Okay. Was, hey, do you remember a myth back in the late 80s, early 90s about the uh, temple? Remember how on the temple they have the Ten Commandments? What is behind that wall? What is they supposedly the docs, the lost scripture pages or, or that in the rest in the end times, it's going to come out the lost pages of the Book of Mormon. Did, what is behind that? And how big is the Book of Mormon like in size? Because think about it. If Joseph Smith was reading the Book of Mormon out of the house with his seer okay. stone, that's the story I heard, there must have not very been big pages of Book of Mormon. I mean, yeah. it must have been really small. Yeah. I mean, hey, Jason, let me answer your question offline. we got a bunch waiting. Always good to hear from you. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. I don't... I don't know what's behind the, the Ten Commandment wall. I don't even know where the Ten Commandment wall is. Uh, and as far as the Book of Mormon in size, if you go to uh, Sandra Tanner's ministry, uh, right across from uh, First Base at Franklin Field and down in Salt Lake, uh, you go in there and she has a replica there. And the plates are not made of gold, which are heavier, but I believe they're made of, tin, of uh, lead. And you can actually lift them and see what it would be like to carry them. And then you can compare Joseph's history of what he said, how he, he took him and he ran through the, he had mobs chasing him and he's running through the, uh, running through the forest with them and dodging this way and that way and this. And 
I mean, I'm fairly strong and I could barely lift those things. So uh, it's interesting. You ought to go in there and see what she has to offer because uh, she has a replica of those gold plates. Let's go to Stephen Louise, first time caller from West Jordan. Stephen, you're on the air. Hey, Sean, how's it going, bud? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Hey, I just wanted to tell you that uh, that Happy Valley is rated PG-13. I misinformed oh. you. Oh, PG-13. Yes. Okay. Oh, very good. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Hey, thanks for calling. Have a great night. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. We're going to Miguel on the famous line four. Miguel, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, I just wanted to say, first of all, you really got me tonight. When I saw you in that suit and tie, I was like, no, man. Yes. I was like, no, the end of the world's here. <laughs> end of the world. You scared me. I thought, what's the world coming to if you're going back to the morning church? Oh, so you actually did believe it. Oh, for a second there, I really, I was like, oh, no, man, I got to get on my knees tonight. You know? <laughs> awesome. But, I feel I feel successful in the trick. You creeped me out, man. Um, I just, uh, I wanted to ask you a question. Then I, I wanted to make a comment to Amelia. The question was, <clears throat> in Alma, I think it's in Alma, it says something about once you're dead or once you die, you are no longer in God's control and you're bound to Satan for all eternity. Is yeah. that correct? And, and where is that? Yeah, you're right. I, I think it's in Alma like 12 or 15, one of the two. Alma 12 or 15. But you can go to the back of the book and just uh, look up the index Satan okay. and it will come um, Well, if I had the book, I destroyed it a long time ago. Oh. I'll, I don't know. I'll get another one, I guess. Or I'll just go borrow Go see. Go look at one. Um, now, the thing for Alma was uh, she was saying that you're aggressive and, and that you're, uh, I guess, you know, bringing out things like against Mormons. But one thing I wanted to, to let her know is that I saw a movie years ago, and I don't know if they still show it, where Joseph Smith, they, they show all these fanatical Christians. They make us look like we're crazy back yeah. in the turn of the century. Yeah. And he's going from one church to another, and he's hearing all these preachers, and they all look like they're whacked out on something. And uh, then he turns to God, and God says, do not follow any of them. Um, they're all an abomination to me. Yeah. So basically, they're the ones that are making us look like we're like we are strange and we are wrong, and that don't have anything to do with us because we're an abomination. But yet now they want to be just like us, or they want to they want to be uh, known as Christian. You know, they yeah. Carry the same label. Yeah, they don't want they don't want criticism. They're getting more forthright and defending themselves against criticism, but they're not recognizing that they have criticized the Christian Church for hundred hundred and fifty some odd years uh, yeah that's a really good point right I mean God told them in their, by, by what they believe that not to be part of us because we were abomination to him right and now they want to be part of us or right they want to be lined up in the same you know row as we are and, and, and we're not yeah and, and it's good that you're reminding us of that because um, they, uh, they in the temple ceremonies before Satan would employ Protestant preachers and the members would sit there and watch this. Satan is, is employing Protestant preachers. And like you said, in all their film curriculum pre-1975, the, the preachers were wild maniacs like you're saying. Nobody was a, a humble, good, you know, a Christian man. They were all crazy men. So your point's well taken. And it makes me want to bring up a, an email I said. So thank you so much. All right. Well, God bless you and quit scaring us. God bless you. Well, thanks. All right. Okay, bye-bye. Listen, I want to read this to you in context of what uh, he said. This is uh, 
this, this was forwarded to me. It's going out to all different uh, groups. There's a man. I'm not going. His name's William W. And he. The subject is the LDS American Defense League. And they, these are going out to ministries, and it says, Bigotry is alive and well. However, the new generation of Latter-day Saints has much different modern sensibilities than the old LDS guard you are using to defame. There is a groundswell of disgust that is rising quickly and will soon explode. We will no longer tolerate these kinds of persecutions. Our LDS identity and culture is under brutal attack by forces that seek to destroy our very way of life. This sentiment is now very palpable throughout LDS society, especially among university students. Mitt Romney's insidious rejection based solely on his faith was a catalyst, and there is going to be a tolerance movement coming soon. Congratulations, you are responsible for a war. This is a cultural identity issue, not a religious one. We are not interested in debating doctrine with you. We are comfortable with our doctrinal differences. A website is soon to launch that watchdogs and brings the hammer down on anti-Mormon terrorist groups like yours that seek to defame, ridicule, mock, and destroy the LDS culture, way of life, people, society, and faith. We will aggressively go after and expose any such organizations that foment prejudice, hatred, and intolerance toward Latter-day Saints. Hang on to your hats because they're going to use the intolerance card like no other, and they're setting themselves up for it. We're going to go to John O'Fallon. John from O'Fallon, Illinois. Sorry. On line three. Brother John. Sean, it's John. How are you? I'm doing well. I recognized your voice. Well, you know, it, that was not very funny, to be honest with you. I think trifling with, with sacred things is not going to bode well for you. What's going to... What did I trifle with, John? It was a uh, practical joke. Well, I... Sean, I'm going to stand as a witness against you someday, at the last day. I'm going to testify as to the things that you've done. Okay. Can I ask you something, John? Yeah. I, this, this tear me out. I am a complete believer in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Bible. I, of course, I don't believe in your books or your doctrines or teachings. But I believe completely in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has saved me from a life of sin. He has, I know his blood has washed me clean before the Father. I walk by faith as best as I can now. What is going to happen to me with my faith in him compared to your testimony against me as we stand at this judgment bar, John? Well, Sean, let me, let me read you something, a quote here. I have in my hands Mormon Doctrine by Bruce R. McConkie. Okay. And under the heading Outer Darkness, it says this. So complete is the darkness prevailing in the minds of these spirits, such as you, Sean. So holy has gospel light been shut out of their consciences that they know little or nothing of the plan of salvation and have little hope within themselves of advancement and progression through the saving grace of Christ. Hell is literally a place of outer darkness, darkness that hates light, buries truth, and revels in iniquity. This is you, Sean. Okay, I, I, don't, I don't believe I revel in iniquity. I don't believe that that... Uh, your, I know your very powerful statement by McConkie. I just don't think it assigns to what I said prior to you reading it. I believe that I'm a, I testify of Jesus Christ. I believe I live for him. 
Well, you know, last week you asked me to listen to your Book of Mormon series. Yeah. And I, I had the opportunity of listening to four of them. I didn't get through all of them, but I listened to four of them. Okay. And, and to be honest, Sean, I'm just I'm not one that gets into splitting doctrinal errors. I'll leave that to the theologians. I'm no theologian. Okay. A lot of the things that you mentioned in those in your shows, I've never heard a lot of that stuff, so I have to question where you got that from and check it, the sources. Check it all out, my brother. Check it all out, because, in, you know, I'm here in the Mecca of Mormonism. We did those shows, and we have people call and tell me that I'm going to be in hell and I'm outer darkness and the things you said, John. But I never have them call and say, you know what you said about the Book of Mormon was a complete lie. I never have anybody say, you're making stuff up, Sean. I just have them attack me as a person. So I would challenge you to go to UTLM and do your own research. I don't why think. Would, you, why would I go to an apostate like Sandra Tanner for information? Well, why would. Go to her. Let me tell you, let me ask you this. You know, there's two approaches. You can go and you can, you can get fed the information from your own source, or you can step outside and try to find a source that is going to give you the truth. 60 minutes doesn't go to the tire dealership that they're investigating and say, tell us the truth. And then the tire dealership speaks and they walk away and say, okay, there's the truth. They go to all the customers and they find out exactly what has been going on and they do research and they dig deep and they find people who can say they are not an honest tire dealership. Now, Sean, if I, if I want to learn about Catholics, I'm yeah. going to go to my local priest. Just really? Like if I want to learn about Mormons or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I'm going to go to the LDS Church. Okay, that's all on the, on the premise that the LDS Church is completely forthright and honest with their history and their material. They are. The prophets are not going to lead us astray. They're not going to lie to us. These are men of integrity. Okay, let's Thomas go. Let, Monson let, is a man of integrity. Okay, John, let's he's go. He's not going to lie to us, and he's not going to lead us astray. Okay, John, let's go back to the example I gave you before when you made this statement. Brigham Young, he said Adam was our God, and he taught it, and I gave proofs on the show. And then Spencer W. Kimball came around and said, that is a false and pernicious doctrine. Now, John, two prophets, one saying one thing, the other saying the other, did one of them lie? No, and I explained that to you. I said Brigham Young, when he, when he said that about the Adam-God theory or doctrine, okay. as you call it, okay. he was speaking as a man. That was just okay. opinion. Okay, John. That is not true, and I gave you reasons why on the show and in our discussion as to why that statement is categorically false. Now listen, this is a situation. You're saying things you want to believe because it's easier for you to just believe this stuff. But John, I have no vested interest to, to get you out there in Illinois to believe in a lie I'm telling you. I'm just asking you to, to research the documents on Adam God. L don't believe me, consider me outer darkness. You do have a vested interest in getting me and others not to believe, Sean. What is you it? You are bitter. People can leave the church, Sean, but they can never leave the church alone. You know, I find that I find that bromide really trite because I have found that people leave the church and the church won't leave us alone. You know, the, 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 the people are knocking on the door wherever you go. And you tell them, look, I don't want to come to the church. And you move and they come to your door again. You guys are the ones who won't leave people alone. Now, Sean, they're not knocking on your door. You're not a member They anymore. come on my door all the time. You're nuts. I have the missionaries come to my house all the time, John, and they always want a piece of the anti-son of perdition. They always think they have the thing that's going to really throw me down. Look at John, search out the facts. Let's forget all this arguing. Just search the facts. But are you afraid, John? Are you, are you afraid of the truth, John? 
I got the facts. You don't my, have the facts, my brother. I'm not going to Sandra Tanner and apostate. Why? How is Sandra Tanner an apostate? Because she speaks the truth? That makes her an apostate? Sandra Tanner is a very humble Christian woman. I know her personally. She has not created any, she has not done any a grievous sin that you want to assign to her. How do you know? Because I, I, I know her character. I have done egregious sin. I admit it. She has not. She provides truth, documented historical truth. You know, it took a lot for her to finally say, you know, I can't believe the thing they've pulled on us. It was the information that made her and her husband leave, John. Uh, just, like it, just like it would make you leave if you looked. Am I going to believe my church leaders or am I going to believe you and Sandra Tanner? Well, you know what? What vested interest do your church leaders have? You tell me that. What this vested is, interest do I bring people to Christ? That's their interest. They the, to Christ? To help people in their eternal progression. John. They, John. They, look at. I think the opening comments of the show show that they don't lead people to Christ. They lead people to a bondage to a religion. Leading people to Christ is to say, we don't care what church you go to. Love the Lord. Have a regenerative relationship with him. That's leading people to Christ. Read the Bible study. Now, leading people into a religion where you have to pay 10% to get into those uh, buildings, to get the endowments that are necessary to live with God, that is bondage. John. Hey, UTLM uses LDS documents to support the stuff that they present. What do you have wrong with looking at it? Because it doesn't come, it doesn't come from the church, and I'm not going to believe anything so, that doesn't come and, from the And where did you learn that tactic, John, that you don't go to anything but the church? Who taught you that? Nobody taught me that. You, oh, come on, John. Now you're not being honest. Of course they taught you that. They tell you that. Don't go to these outside sources. Don't look at anything else. Don't, don't, don't only read the manuals we give you. Why? Because they know if you search, your eyes are going to open and you're going to say, what have I been fed? I have been fed a lie. That's why we do this, John. Sandra Tanner's living down there in the same house in kind of a bad part of town. We're not making money on this deal, and, and, and I'm not bitter. I live with Mormons. What kind of car do you drive, Sean? Oh, you went down the wrong avenue there, buddy. <laughs> the car I have at home has metal coming out of the tires. It's an old ghetto van, and the, and the car I drive here, we, it's, it's a laughable joke. I don't, I am not a wealthy guy and I have not made one single cent off this. You have to get, don't listen to these lies they tell you. I'm not into you, this how from. Do you fly every week up to Utah. I don't pay, California. I do how not do, you do that. I do not pay for that, John. We have a, a Calvary Chapel in, in California who supports us and pays for those flights. That's how we do it. We don't do, we don't pay for those flights from the, the monies coming in from all over the world. John, you've been fed a lie. You've been fed a lie. Uh, there's safety. There is safety in the words of the prophets. You know what? The apostles. There's, there's safety, safety in, in their words. Ships were built. Ships are safe in the harbor, but they weren't built to stay in the harbor, John. You can be safe in that little harbor of yours and believe that everything is all right, but you were built with a mind and a heart to get out there on the high seas, and you're afraid to do it because you're afraid of what you're going to discover, and you might see that your wife is onto something. Well, your, your name around the, my house is mud, to be honest with you. I mean, we have, your name's... Welcome to the here. club. We've talked, and I've forbidden your name from being spoken in my house anymore. <laughs> what, what are you, Moses? Strike me from all the... 
<laughs> John, come on, man. You know, I think you'd like me. I am not the devil you want to believe in. You know, you have to demonize me in order to talk to me. You have to believe I'm going to be in outer darkness. You have to believe every vile thing you can about me, because if you do, it allows you to continue to believe them. But if you knew, you You're, know... You are not to be spoken of in my house. Well, John, I, that's okay. You don't have to speak of me in your house. I don't care if you speak to me. Again, I just want you to find the truth, my friend. And I, I just wish you would go and search out the things we've said on the shows and do your own research on those things and open your heart and come to have a regenerative relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ where you praise him, where you say, my Lord and God, Jesus, thank you for your blood, for your forgiveness, for what you did for me on the cross. I praise your name, Lord Jesus. You don't say that, John, because I was LDS and the LDS people don't say it. I know the church is true. And you can do a hundred shows on the Book of Mormon and it's not gonna change anything. I have a testimony of the church and I have put that promise in Moroni chapter 10 to the test. I prayed about it with faith, with a sincere heart, with real intent, and I have received a manifestation of the Spirit, and the Spirit does not lie. Okay, John, can I ask you another question? We're going on forever, but I'm going to keep going. John, what do you say to the Jehovah's Witnesses who have the same spiritual manifestation? They're being misled. Okay, how come I can't say that to you? Because I'm not being misled. <laughs> Your logic is really interesting. You know, I can, I can say it to the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Muslims and everybody else, but if I say it to you, it doesn't apply. You see, you understand what you're dealing with here? You're dealing with you have been mind-warped by these people. Sean, here's the difference, okay? Okay. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is the true church. Okay. okay? That's the difference. Okay. That's but, why you can't okay. say that. But, John, but John, how do you know that? And you say you know it because you put the Book of Mormon to the test, and you got all the affirmations that you were seeking to have, and therefore you know that it's true, and therefore the church is true. But my comment to you is there's other people who say the same thing. This is why we have the Word of God. This is why we have this book that has been handed down, 66 books written by countless writers, and that coincides together, and you can trust what it says. What Joseph did was he undermined this book, and he said, you can't trust it. Let me give you another book that you can. And so when he got you to do that, then he could also say, let me give you something called the Doctrine and Covenants, my revelations, that you can trust too. And then he found a papyrus, and he said, let me give you this, this thing called the Pearl of Great Price that will teach you all kinds of secret Gnostic uh, information. And he just got this thing going and he took people from the thing they can rely on the word of god john and you have fallen prey to it now i want to tell you that i'm gonna cry i am gonna cry i'm gonna shed tears if a spirit can shed tears when i when i die and you're not there because of what these people have done they have perpetrated a lie in your heart and you are a good guy and you've bought it because you want to believe. You want to be good. I know you want to be a good man. I know you probably are a good man, John. But you have been misled by these people and you refuse to look outside of it. Look outside of it. Spirit doesn't lie, Sean. And our church leaders do not lie. And I know how I feel. I know the witness that I got was true. You ought to go to the website. You won't, though. Joseph lied. You ought to look at the different things where the lies have gone on and on and on. The cover-ups everything, John, but I don't want to beat a dead horse here. Uh, we have three minutes left. You know, I'm just, I'm just sorry that it's come to this, and uh, I hope you'll search, and I pray for you. I've prayed for you because you have called, and you've been, you've been an important caller. You've revealed to the listeners what is truly in the LDS heart, and again, I appreciate that. 
because you are the epitome of the LDS believer. We try to reach those who just don't have the same attitude as you do. I realize that the things I say to people like you are not gonna do it, John, but there are a lot of LDS who have never been able to grasp or believe the stuff they've been handed, and we reach to them. That's but, because of people like you that they can't believe, because you're sowing seeds of doubt in their heart. Yeah, well, you know, I try not to sow seeds of doubt when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, to God, and to His Word. I try to really support those things in people's lives. You're telling me that that is evil and wrong, and I'm going to burn or go to outer darkness because of it. I think you have a serious flaw in your, in your, in your doctrines, my friend. So let's, uh, let's part tonight, and uh, thank you for calling, my friend. Bye. Bye-bye. We're going to Monty, first-time caller from Ogden. Monty, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Hi. I would just like to praise you, and I'd like to encourage you as a lone trooper against the temple of Baal. <laughs> now, when Elijah viewed the temple of Baal, or Moses, or Jesus, or any one of our awesome brethren who've come before, you're one of them. You're up against a hell of a lot of trouble. But here's the deal. You're going to win because Jesus told us to go into all the world, raising the dead, healing the sick, restoring sight to the blind, casting out demons, setting the captives free. These are the fruits of the Spirit. The people I've been seeing around this corner of the world are all selfish and inside themselves looking for a spiritual experience when the real spirit goes out for your neighbor. It goes out for that wheelchair person, out for that diabetic, out for that cancer person, not to give them Prozac, but to give them a jolt of the spirit. When Paul was coming to the town, they were healed. When he was in the town, they were healed. What's the message there? I was a Christian in all kinds of ways. I tried Mormon, Catholic, Baptist, everything. All I found was my self-satisfaction thing. When I went back to the book and I read where the Roman soldier asked Jesus to heal his servant, and Jesus said, this shall be done. And then he said the biggest thing in the Bible, greater faith has he not seen in all of Israel, that he would come to the Son of God and ask. So I did that. And thousands of miracles to date. Monty, it was a great testimony. Thank you for the message. And we're out of time, my friend. God bless you. You too, Sean. Bye-bye. I'm a donkey. Don't praise me. I'm a man that, with all kinds of failures. But join us next week as we continue to look at the paradigm. God bless. Ooh, that was a wild...